welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. I want to begin today's program in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 7, beginning down at verse 11. Look at what it says. The next day, Jesus and his followers went to a town called Nahum. A big crowd was traveling with them, and when Jesus came near the town gate, he saw some people carrying a dead body. It was the only son of a woman who was a widow. Walking with her were many other people from the town. When the Lord saw the woman, he felt very sorry for her and said, Don't cry. He walked to the open coffin, touched it. The men who were carrying the coffin stopped. Jesus spoke to the dead son, Young man, I tell you, get up. Then the boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Everyone was filled with fear, and they began praising God and said, A great prophet is here with us, and God is taking care of his people. This news about Jesus spread all over Judea and to all the other places around there. She was all alone now, this widow of Nahum. The scriptures make no mention that she had brothers or sisters or other family members. They surely would have been with her, consoling her, moving slowly along in the sad procession. A big crowd was traveling with them. We are grateful for that. And sometime before, we don't know how long before, she had stood by the grave of her husband. And now the lifeless body of her only son was being carried out of the city. Only a widowed parent can know that grief, the grief that that poor woman was feeling. As with any of the deep things of life, we cannot put her feelings into words, but we can appreciate this grief. The plain, indelicate truth is that no parent wants to live long enough to bury a son or daughter. We want to be mercifully spared that, at, at least that. When Jesus came near the town gate, he saw some people carrying a dead body. It was the only son of a woman who was a widow. That's what verse 12 says. So you see, the circumstances for something wonderful happening could not have been more forbidding. And that is what makes what did happen all the more wonderful. When the Lord saw the woman, he felt sorry for her and said, don't cry. He walked to the open coffin and touched it. The men who were carrying the coffin stopped. Jesus spoke to the dead son. Young man, I tell you, get up. Then the boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's verses 13 through 15. The raising of the dead. We encounter it three times in our Lord's ministry. In addition to this widow's son, there was the daughter of Jairus and Lazarus. Millions of books about God are in circulation throughout the world. If all of these books were to be placed together in one great heap, it would surely seem like 
everything which we could ever write about God has been expressed in every conceivable combination of words. However, the last page of every single one of these books could appropriately be inscribed with the word and. For God is always more than what we set to the page. Millions of testimonies about God touching human lives have been presented. And just when you may think you have heard them all, someone says, and listen to this. Countless systematic theologies have meticulously been formulated as well as learned, sophisticated perspectives about God and and God's word. Even so, there will always be another observation. There will always be another word aching to be said. Just when it appears that God has blessed our lives in every conceivable way, he comes in a new way. There's always more. Now, this thought was in the mind of the Apostle Paul when he wrote in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35, the following. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think it's fair to paraphrase Paul's words this way. I cannot overcome tribulation, distress, persecution, things present or things to come in my life, but God can. I challenge you right now to think of any three words in the human language more wonderfully exciting than these, but God can. I challenge you to think of any one person in human history to whom this was more dramatically revealed than the widow at Nahum. In her son's Funeral procession one moment, praising God for his resurrection the next. It was unnecessary for Jesus to say to her, as he would later say to a certain rich man, what is impossible with man is possible with God. She knew that. But God can. What a marvelous thing to know and believe, especially since our present generation places such a premium on self-help and self-assertion. The emphasis is on what we can do. We are told that we can determine our own security with stocks and bonds and certificates of deposit and wise investments. We are told that we can guarantee our health by, by going to a health spa, swimming, jogging, playing tennis, dieting. 
We are told that we can favorably impact our personal appearance by going to a tanning booth, having cosmetic makeovers or plastic surgery. We can tuck this in, relocate that, remove something else altogether, spray on all kinds of fragrances to create an impression and reinforce confidence. We are told that we can live good, look good, and even go to a good self-help group and be good. All things are wonderful, but we know in private when we take counsel with ourselves that there is also that which we cannot do. Number one, we cannot control our lives. Just when we think it's under control, something comes along and takes the control away from us. Number two, we cannot do God's will alone. We know because we've tried. Number three, we cannot release the power of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. We have difficulty keeping our own spirits high. We cannot do any of these things which count for now and for all eternity, but God can. Genesis 17 records what Abraham was informed in his old age that he was going to be a father. He laughed so hard, he literally fell down on his face saying, shall a son be born to him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah bear a child at 90? A similar story found in the first chapter of Luke. Zechariah and Elizabeth, old in years, received the unbelievable news that they were to become parents of a son. Zechariah felt moved to bring the matter into focus, but I am an old man and my wife is stricken in years. Abraham and Zechariah were not what we would call possibility thinkers in their old age. They were tired, and the light was gone out of their eyes. At their age, they were more conscious of limitations, conclusions, and periods than they were of possibilities. It, it cannot happen, they responded. But God said, it is within my will, and it not only can, it shall, and it did. Do not minimize this thought, but God can. You know, we're always the wrong age to do something for the kingdom, aren't we? It seems we're either too young or we're too old. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations. Immediately, Jeremiah disqualified himself on account of his age. Oh, Lord God, I cannot speak, for I am only a youth. Ah, what a pity. God was not simply calling him to address a tribe or a community or even a district, but raising him up to be a witness to the nations. How could God commit such an obvious mistake as to place so staggering a responsibility upon a youth? I mean, we can almost hear Jeremiah's thinking. I cannot command listeners. I cannot pronounce prophetic words. I cannot conceive how you could possibly use me. And then it is as if God addressed Jeremiah's reluctance by replying, I know you can't, but I can. 
Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. If it's not age, well, it's something else. Moses declined God's call, citing his lack of eloquence, knowing perhaps that eloquence is not a prerequisite to witness, he added, he added weight to the matter by saying, I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The bottom line to Moses' excuse is, I can't speak. God's reply was, I know you can't, but I can. Exodus chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Isaiah attempted to beg out of his calling by calling God's attention to the fact that he was a sinner. We expect that Isaiah felt that he had neutralized the call to prophecy with that confession. Jeremiah's age had not really been an issue. Moses' concern about his speech was of little concern to God. But there was no getting around the fact that Isaiah was correct. He was a sinner. Moreover, he could use his sinful condition to his advantage by using it for leverage. Why, God, I can't be a prophet because I'm a sinner. Read Isaiah 6, verse 5, and see him become ever so humble in the presence of holiness. But then read on and see how he was led beyond conviction to submission. It was as if God had declared, yes, you are a sinner. You're right, and you do dwell in the midst of sinners. You cannot do anything about the fact of your sin, nor can you do anything about their sin, but I can. Now, at the risk of appearing to insult our intelligence, let us be clear about what dramatic thing we are proposing here. We are advancing Christ's proclamation. What is impossible with man is possible with God. And understanding that to mean, but God can. The widow of Nahum would wonder, why is it so difficult for us to absorb this obvious truth? As would Jeremiah and Moses and a host of others across the centuries. The book of Judges records a marvelous story of unreserved faith in the providence of God. Gideon and his army were camped beside the spring of Herod, just to the south of the Midianite encampment. At the appointed time, 3,200 Israelites would descend upon the enemy's superior forces 
and pray that their efforts would prevail. It is not a good feeling going against an adversary knowing the odds are against you. On the other hand, to triumph against the odds, well, that creates heroes. But God was not in search of heroes. Judges chapter 7 and verse 2. The Lord spoke to Gideon and said, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their land, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me. Brute strength and military prowess would only serve to obscure God's hand in this matter. So Gideon was instructed to allow those who were fearful and trembling to go home. Apparently, some were there against their better judgment and because we are told that 22,000 went home. Well, this reduced the Israelite army to 10,000. The odds were pitifully overwhelming. However, God speaks again to Gideon and insisted that the soldiers still numbered too many. Wait a second. This is not only a time for an inventory of strength, but also of one's belief in what God is able to accomplish. Gideon did not hesitate. Take the men down to the water, God said. Separate those who lap the water like dogs from those who kneel down to drink. And the number of those who lapped was 300. God then declared, with the 300, I will deliver you. Now, the significance of this number comes into clearer focus when we take into account how the scriptures describe the Midianite army. It says, they lay along the valley like locusts for multitude and their camels were without number as the sand which is upon the seashore. That's Judges chapter 7, verse 12. Gideon divided the 300 into three companies of 100. Now, it doesn't require a military genius to determine that this would leave one flank completely unprotected. Even if the modest handful could cover the other three, now, this was the battle plan. The 300 would carry no weapons in their hands and engage in no hand-to-hand -hand conflict with the Midianites. Each soldier carried a trumpet in his right hand and a jar containing a lighted torch in his left. Now, allow the absurdness of that situation to settle into your consciousness. A diminished token force armed only with trumpets and earthen jars containing torches. Isn't it possible that at least one soldier may have felt inclined to remind Gideon that Israel was preparing for a war instead of a midnight parade? At Gideon's command, the 300 surrounded the Midianite camp at the signal, 
the trumpets were blown, the jars loudly smashed, and each man cried out at the top of his voice, a sword for the Lord God and for Gideon. The Midianites were so astonished and so confused that they took up their swords against each other and they fled in absolute bewilderment. The battle had gone to the hosts of the Lord. Let's take notice of that fact. 300 unarmed soldiers cannot rout thousands who are armed, but God can. People cannot prevail against an impossible situation, regardless of the nature of the situation, but God can. Gideon and the 300 believed God could, and he did. God can, if we simply believe God can. You know, there are times when our own resources are diminished. Our strength is spent. All of the marvelous things which we now count on and we know about, they count for nothing. We're out of ideas. We are involuntarily disarmed, physically and mentally immobilized. There is no way we can overcome a helpless situation, but God can. Maybe right now, maybe you're thinking of some situation in your life which you wish you had control over, but you can't get a hold of it. Maybe there is some decision in your life which you just seem to be unable to resolve. Maybe there is something you want to change for the better, but you just cannot. You are under the spiritual conviction that God has a plan for your life, but you cannot bring that plan into focus. You say to yourself, I have this need and I can continue on from here without resolving it and no one can tell the difference. But God can. God can. And the good news is, God will, if we just believe him and just let him. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the marvelous words, but God can. Father, I pray that any viewer right now that is facing a situation with insurmountable odds, that they will believe that God can. Father, I ask at this moment, you just act miraculously in the lives of those that are calling out for help right now. Thank you for loving us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. At the end of each program, we like to offer you a resource just to help you in the spiritual journey that you and I and all of us are on together. And today is no exception. We have this little booklet. 
It's a little book. Uh, I'm not sure we've ever offered it before. It is called Failure is Not Final. The Art of Stepping Out in Faith. We'd love to send this to you as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. It will arrive in your home, postage paid. There is no obligation whatsoever on your part. It is a gift from us to you. If you'd like to receive this book, here is the information you need to request your copy. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another program. Let me thank you for joining us. And if I could ask you, uh, if you would help us in letting your friends and family know about our program so that they can also tune in and join us want to remind you of a few things before we go. Uh, the first thing is um, when you call for the gift, uh, you may get the answering service. We have volunteers that answer the phones and sometimes we have more calls than we have volunteers. It will be a lot easier for us if on the voicemail, rather than just telling us your name and your phone number, if you would actually leave your mailing address. And this way, when we go, over the, we go back over the voicemail, we can get your mailing address and we can, it'll just make it easier to get the offer out to you as quickly as possible. So if you could help us on that, that would be really appreciated. On the voicemail, leave your name and leave your full mailing address and we'll get the if offer out to you uh, as quickly as we possibly can. I uh, want to remind you of our website, l4ltv.com. All of the programs are accessible from the website. On the website, you can find out where I'll be appearing live. You can also uh, join a study group. There's some other materials, additional materials there that you can look and you can study and you can use as a resource. You can also click on the Donate Today tab and make a donation to the ministry. We are a charitable organization, so you do get a receipt for income tax purposes. And uh, I want you to know that every penny that is donated goes straight right back into the ministry paying for airtime, studio time, the gifts we send out. None of that money comes to me or my family in any type of a benefit. We reinvest it completely in the ministry. Also want you to follow me on Instagram every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. I put out a one-minute devotional video. You want to have access to that? Follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Like our Facebook page subscribe to our YouTube channel. This program will be available very shortly, an audio version on SoundCloud. You can go to SoundCloud and download an audio version of the program and you can carry that with you and listen to it at your convenience. Just before we go, I want to remind you of another part of our ministry, which is the overseas humanitarian work that we do under the umbrella of Mission Now Canada. 
And so you can visit the missionnowcanada.com website and find out where we will be going on our next mission trip, where we have gone, how you can donate, uh, and how you can sign up to get information and maybe join us on an upcoming mission trip. Well, we are rapidly running out of time. Let me thank you again for joining us. We hope to be able to do this again real soon, and we'd love to see you back here again next time. In the meantime, God bless you, and we'll see you back here then.